Tonight we're going to continue working through uh, some aspects of marriage with John and Sue Damaris, and so glad to have them. They're a treat and a joy and a, just a, a blessing to our church, and so you're going to enjoy hearing from them. Now, they were here with us last week, and uh, raise your hand. If you were here last week, would you mind just to show me? So I just want to give a little test, see how well you listen to them, and a little get to know them. So we'll do a little get to know John and Sue, because you want to get to know them. You'll see them in the hallways, and I want to tell you, people approach them and say, can, can I talk to you? Will y'all counsel us, mentor us? We've got a question about marriage, and so they're that approachable. Um, they give out their emails or mobile numbers, uh, address their pool. <laughs> We're out of town. Just kidding. Um, but just a few questions. See how well you listened. Here's the first one. Okay. They use the term blank to describe their financial situation when they first got married. Okay. So you were here last week. You might know which one was it. Was it A, B, or was it C? B, okay, they said they were broke when they got married, all right? Anybody, can anybody relate to that? Broke when you got married, anybody? Yep, okay, some head nods back in the back, all right. You got it. <laughs> um, rich in love would have worked there for you two guys. I'm sure that would have been just fine. Okay, the next one. Um, when they got married, John drove a really cool minivan, um, muscle car B, okay, or was it C, Volkswagen Beetle? Y'all said a thing. The thing. The Volkswagen thing. Yep. That's right. The thing. There might be a picture of the thing. What year was it, John? Okay. Yeah. I'll have to find the th a picture of the thing and bring it next week. You got it. You got it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Here we go. All right. So part of their annual rhythm, okay, of marriage now is to live four months a year together at the blank. Which one is it? Beach. The beach. The beach. What do you think? All three of those for sure. Yep. What do you think? It is therapist, right. So next week, we'll put the address of the beach up for y'all so you can go visit them within this four-month time frame. Yep, I'm sure their place is... You got it. Um, all right, so the last big quiz question is this one. Uh, this year, they're celebrating their blank year of marriage. 47. It's a big deal. Yeah. Anybody else 47 in the room? All right. Any hopeful 47s? All right, we're going there, right? All right, we're getting there. Yep, we're hopeful. We're getting there. And you guys are helping us get there, so praise the Lord. Let me pray for John and Sue, and we'll jump right in. Well, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for how good you are to us. And thank you that marriage was your idea. Uh, thank you that you gave us your word to guide us in how to, how to live as husbands and wives and as believers who have a, a sister in Christ for a wife or a brother in Christ for a husband. And tonight I pray that you'd give John and Sue wisdom. I pray you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit and just anoint them with fresh oil as they prepare to, to speak to us. Well, there's a good chance that they've, they've taught on these verses before, but I pray tonight, God, that just something would be special and different, Lord, and how that they uh, are used by you as a mouthpiece, God, for your word. I pray that they'll make a big deal of you tonight as we sit back and listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so how many of you... Um what do you think about Maria's wisdom? What's that? Pretty close. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, our next our next question was going to be how many how many do you think today actually 
go by that type of wisdom, actually believe that that's the way it is, you know, um, out there today. A few of you? Yeah. Not, not that you would do it, but that you know of other people or you who see would it. do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, even though our society has changed, you know, their ideals a little bit, we've gone from fathers know best, right? I don't know if a lot of you remember that show. Or um, um, that's definitely not the, not yeah, the those, one. that's the yeah. one. Or My Three Sons or Family Guy or The Simpsons. Um, all of these, uh, let me go back there. Um, are depict husbands. Yeah. All right. We've gone from the father knowing things and going to the dad and being re respected and being in a, respected, in and then flipping it over to everybody loves Raymond. By the way, we've never we've never watched these up here, but we've just heard that they're bad. So <laughs> <laughs> they're bad examples. I have so watched everybody I'm loves Raymond. I'm hoping that they're bad examples, but we if they're not, don't hold us to it because we've just been told that. Well, have you ever heard of the term influencer? That's kind of new now, huh? That's a new thing. TikTok, I'm not on TikTok, but I've heard of this thing, that uh, influencers are a big thing. In Ephesians, and I don't, this, is, this isn't on here right now. Um, I just have this on the side, but let me read this. It says, Ephesians 2.1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world in the prince of the kingdom of the air. You know, it's interesting that Satan is called prince, right? He's prince because he possesses power to manifest evil, and listen to this, in this world through influencing us. So not only do we hear about influencers, but Satan is an influencer. He influences us by what we see, what we watch, um, um, all kinds of things. So let's see what God has to say about that. So we're going to go to Ephesians 5.21. Okay, here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, he all, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave, him some, gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle, without other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of, the bo of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, one thing it doesn't say is, and then they come back and hang out with their parents and live there. It's, it's all about leaving and cleaving, and I told both my children that when they got married. Uh, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. You know, Paul begins with the instructions that each of us 
need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So my question is, what is reverence? How would you guys define that? Anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, slow down. What was that again? Respect. Ah, very good. Honor. And what it, Honor. Love and respect. Yeah. You know, I've got here a deep respect, mm-hmm. right? For someone or something, admiration, high esteem, great regard. You know, I look at Tim right here, and Tim oversees all of the young marrieds. So technically right now, I work for Tim, right? No, that's great. No, so, but when you think about that and you look at his job, I have to show reverence to Tim. You know, Tim and I were on the phone today just talking about the lesson and some things that were going on, and um, there's a reverence there, you know? He is our pastor of all the young marrieds. And that's a big deal. Is, is it adult education? Is it yeah, adult all, education. All of adult education. So that's even more respect. Yeah, there you go. All right? In holding him in high esteem, right? But that's what we're talking about, all right? So that's what, you know, reverence is defined. But, you know, the question I have is, why out of reverence for Christ? Why does he start that way? Why not just for love of one another, for Sue and I? Why don't we just start that way? that we should just love one another, or a desire to make our marriage work. That sounds good too, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds good, but it's not out of reverence for Christ, right? So what, let me ask you this. What would be the opposite of reverence? What would that look like? Defiance. Yeah. I don't even have that. I like that one. Yeah. Disrespect. I don't have that one either. It was mm-hmm. good. You're on a roll. Keep going. <laughs> There's two good ones. What else? Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Dismissive. Yeah. Callous. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. You know, I've got rebellion. Indifference. Being indifferent. Indifferent. And right? really, when you look at the world today, um, you know, I was with my prayer partners um, just this p- couple of weeks ago, and this one girl just said something that has really struck me. She said, there is a lack of fear for God these days in this world. There is just that lack of the fear of God, the, that reverence towards God. I mean, we are, we are a, a world that's rebelling against God. We have an indifference. We're, we, there's no more black and white. It's all gray. We are now in a, in a society that, that um, there's not just man and woman. We have all these other characters now involved. You know, <laughs> I don't know how many they've come up with now, but you know, there's, there, there isn't just man and woman anymore. We're just going to push the envelope as far as we can. And it all really, and she, she said to me, and I just thought that was so neat, is it boils down to there is a lack of fear of God in this world. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what, that's what basically he's talking about here. It's not, our motivation should not be because we love our husbands, we love our wife, or that we want to see our marriage work, we want to see us make it to 47 years. It's good, our motivation, he's, Paul is, tells us, is that 
we're, it's out of a reverence for God, that desire, that, that um, the love, the, all those different words that you used in there. That's what should motivate us more. Because you know what? Our spouses are going to fail us. And there are going to be times where we're going to want to say, you know, the heck with this marriage, you know. We're going to be mad, and we're not going to want to make things right. But, if, but Christ will never fail us. He will never fail us. He will always be there. And we will always owe him everything, mm-hmm. you know. We can never come to a time where we can say, that's it. I've paid my dues to you, Jesus Christ. Never, never. So yeah. there will always be that time where we have to go back to go back down to the basics again and say, it's because of what Christ did for me. I'm going to love my husband the way Christ would be pleased and choose for me to do so. And it's amazing how the enemy makes a fight feel good. Not Especially for long, for me. but he can make it feel good. You can get an argument with your spouse and feel pretty good going back and forth, and you're like, what am I doing? Okay, let me just ask you, who is the bigger forgiver, the, f- the quicker forgiver in your family? <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm seeing faces, man. Yeah. It's great. It's like one of these. I, I will I admit, he is so quick, and I'm like, no. You know, no, I need to stew on this for a long time. I want to just really revel in this, you know, anger here. And you are coming at me too quickly. You know, we just have to figure. And um, anyway, but it's getting back. I can't do my devotions. I can't just go before God when I'm just ready to stew. I have got to go to God during that time. So, so let me ask you this. What do you think Paul means when he writes, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior? That's a tough one, by the way. And we might not get an answer, but I'll explain it in a minute. So what do you think it means when he writes, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior? Nobody? Okay, you got the, that's right. So theologians struggle with this, all right? They go back and forth on this a lot. But given the contents here, along with other biblical references, it strongly suggests servant leadership, both, all right? So the question is, what was, let me go back here. You got that? What was Jesus' leadership style? So let me just run this by you here. The leadership style that Jesus taught and modeled was neither about command, meaning, Tim, go open that door. (laughs) That wasn't Jesus, right? Or or the next one is control. Susan, when you get to so-and-so, I want you to call me. I want to make sure you're okay. Tell me what you're eating, um, how many people are there. I mean, total control, because that's what I want to know. All right. Or the other one is just total power. You know, just looking at Sue, you stayed home. I went to work and made all the money. You have no say. I want all the power. Right. That wasn't Jesus's style. He didn't teach techniques, but this is what he did do. He grew character. 
a character centered on a Christ-like servant's heart. He modeled servanthood and challenged the disciples to follow his example, to be like him. That's what he taught us. And we struggle with that, you know, because pride gets in the way, right? So let's look at Jesus' leadership style in Luke 22, 25 through 27. And let me see if I can find this. Here we go. Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules like the, the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. If we're going to be Christ-like, this is where our marriage takes a turn. This is where God got a hold of me a long, long time ago. You know, it's funny. I'm doing my quiet time yesterday, and I'm upstairs, and Sue's downstairs. And you got to remember, it took a long time for me to be this servant-type leader. I didn't get that. I mean, I've, she took care of that stuff. And I, so I, would, I got up and had my quiet time. And I said to her, um, hey, I'm going to vacuum the upstairs. Understand something, that is not me. All right, I don't do that. I just, I'm just not that kind of guy. I'll do the yard. I'll take care of the, the garden. I'll you know, mow the lawn, clean the cars. I'm just not the inside of the house cleaning guy, right? And um, I t I'll tell you a funny story. She went up to see her dad. This is, an end. This is free. <laughs> she went up to see her dad, who was, who was sick up in New Hampshire. And my son and I were at home, and we couldn't figure out how to turn the dishwasher on. Or the, or the, um, or the washing machine. <laughs> so it just shows you that I'm not that inside guy, right? I just, so we're on the phone with her saying, how do you get the soap in and shut the thing without it coming back out again? I mean, it was just really funny, you know? And I'm sure some of you guys might uh, be able to understand that. But anyway, um, so with me, it, it, it took a while to, to grab this. So for men, looking again at the passage, for, and I'll just go over this, Ephesians 25 uh, through 32, 5, 25 through 32, what do you think it means for a husband to love his wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that mean? What does it look like? Being a servant. Well, it is being a servant, yep. Being an example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're in a role today. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is being an example. You know, it's, it's interesting. We... We used to teach a class a long, years ago, back in 2004, 2005, and we started going on a, a retreat. And um, what we would do is we'd go to Paris Landing. Anybody been to Paris Landing? Right. So anyway, we went there, and big, big group of people. We all drove up there. And um, <clears throat> the girls had a day to themselves. They were going to go shopping and do all kinds of stuff. They had something they were going to, when they got back, they were going to do. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, they had all these things they, they had planned. So the guys had the kids. And our class had a million kids. It was crazy. And so 
they all went to the pool in the morning, late morning, and they're all at the pool. And uh, and I'm I'm a little later. I don't have any the kids husbands, there. The, the husbands, husbands with the so kids. So the husbands at the pool. and then picture this now. All the husbands and the kids are heading to the pool, right? I'm not there yet. All right, I'm still getting ready. I don't have any little ones to take. I'm taking my time. So I get, I'm walking up, and all the kids start yelling, John, John, you know, they can see me. They're all like three, four, five years old. What I didn't notice at, right away is there were women all around the pool, just women, sunning themselves in lounge chairs. And it's like, what is going on? Who are these people? And so I'm getting closer to the pool, and this one lady looks at me, and she says, what is going on? in the pool with all these guys and kids, right? She couldn't figure it out. And I said, um, I wanted to say, what is going on with all these women? You know, what's, you know, what's happening? They're all in their bathing suits, just in lounge chairs. So I said, well, uh, we go to Bellevue Baptist Church, and we have a retreat once a year, and all the girls are gone for the day, having a blast, and the guys are watching the kids. All these women were there because their husbands we're in a fishing deal at Paris Landing, and all the boats and the trucks were there, and they were gone for the weekend, because their job was to catch fish, right, and compete. It was a big competition, right? And all the women just got to sit around by themselves around the pool, and that was their deal. They were blown away. They had never seen that picture before. And it really hit me that that kind of thing, we've, number one, we've got to do more of. But it really hit me that we are living in a different world, aren't we? You know, we really are. And, uh, and we've really got to focus on that. So anyway, let, let me continue here. When, how might this kind of love look like in a marriage? I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, 7. And we've read this before, but this is kind of a new group here. But I'm just going to start off with it in the Amplified. In the same way you married men should live considerately... Uh, with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. So I'm going to stop right there, and I'm not going to get into it too deeply, but I'm going to tell you all you guys, you need to be students of your wife. I learned that a long, long time ago. We would be walking in a mall, and she would say, wow, what a cool outfit that is. Bang. I'd immediately remember it. And then I'd go shopping, right? It's her birthday, it's Christmas, something's coming up. I would go and, and I wouldn't go pick something. I'd pick the one that's on the, the one that she pointed at and say, do you have this size and all that? Yeah, we do. That's the one she pointed at. That's the one I want. We need to be students of our wives, right? And I did it and, and I really started getting good at it. I was paying attention all the time. And, uh, and we all need to do that. We all need to focus and have an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation, honoring the woman as physically the weaker but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace of God's unmerited favor of life in order that your prayers... Now, listen, guys. This is the end of 1 Peter 3, 7. In order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. There are so many husbands I've talked to who are struggling in their prayer life. They're struggling with answered prayer. And then you ask the question, how's your marriage? Well, we're having some struggles. Well, it says here that if you're not honoring your wife, 
your prayers will be cut off. It all starts there. So, I mean, really, really something to focus. So, ladies, I want you, we're going to jump to, um, you're going to jump in here? Can you go back to Ephesians Ephesians, 22 and 23? Now, ladies, it's it's your turn. We've kind of discussed the husbands here and their role as a servant leader in the home. And that's basically what we're talking about tonight is the roles that, that, um, because, you know, we started off on communication, but we realized that this world has so messed up the roles of a husband and wife. We see it, as we said, on, on television, you know, and we can, we can see it just about anywhere you look nowadays, you know, in, in a society. And um, so we just thought, you know, we really need to get back to the basics and that's in, in our roles. And so going back to um, Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, uh, or actually probably 20, well, 23, um, it says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So what stands out to you guys in that little um, passage? Especially the ladies. No, this is just for the ladies. <laughs> you husbands have to stay quiet. What do you think? Hmm? Yeah, husband wants to. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you, I'll tell you, when I first saw this as a, as a new Christian, we were going to a little church in Hudson, New Hampshire, that had only about 75 members at the time. And it was, uh, the pastor was a really wonderful pastor who had been a professor at Word of Life Bible Institute, and he just had wealth of information. And I felt like I was getting a college education every time um, we would go in the door on Sunday. I just could not wait. I was that hungering for God's word. I was just so excited. I'd be Thursday, and it would be like, oh, good, there's only a few more days till Sunday. I could not wait to get into the door. And one day he opened up his Bible, and he started to preach on this, and I thought, huh, he sounds awfully chauvinistic. I mean, I just thought, this church is pretty chauvinistic. Now, you have to remember, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, you know, where it was women's lib and burning your bras and all of that kind of thing. I mean, we were wanting to get, you know, equal pay, you know, for our jobs and all of that kind of thing. And suddenly I'm here in this church, and he's saying, wives must submit to your husbands in everything. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, but... I had been so excited about going, I thought, well, I'll sit here and listen and see what Elsie has to say, you know, that type of thing. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for this one time. But I'm, I'm wondering now, as I look back at this, um, just how many women out there, if they were to come into our church, might have that same attitude if they heard these verses suddenly applied, you know, suddenly read to them how they would think, oh, man, this church is so far behind the times, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they probably couldn't, couldn't even believe that we would actually not only read this and study it, but that we would follow it, you know, that type of thing. So, but I wanted to kind of share with you um, just a beautiful picture of what I've learned since then 
on just how, what the mission looks like. And, um, you know, and I'm glad I sat there and listened to um, Pastor Ray Bielas and um, in the many other lessons that I've heard over the past 40 years on this. I wanted to kind of share with you just what a beautiful picture, because I think sub submission has kind of gotten a bad rap over the years. And I think that once you realize what it truly is, what it truly looks like, you'll, you'll understand why it's gotten such a bad rap. It's all started, can you turn to um, Genesis? Yep, it also began back in Genesis 2, in verses 18 through 22. This is a, just a beautiful picture of marriage. And it says, the Lord um, believed man needed a helper. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the air. And he brought them to the man to see what he would uh, name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And so that's where it began. We became, you know, God saw that Adam needed a helper. And, um, and he uh, created woman for the, for the man. What word or image is come to mind when you think of a wife as a husband's helper? Rather than being submiss submission, what do you think about when you think about, you know, that God designed us to be our husband's helper? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what we're going to get to in a, in a few minutes. I wanted to turn next to um, Psalm 10, um, verse 14. Do you have that up there? Yeah. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. And then in Psalm 118.7, it says, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in truth, triumph on my enemies. And then again in Isaiah, and there's plenty more, but I just picked these three. Isaiah 41.10 in 13 and 14, it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. What do you think now about that word helper? Isn't that so amazing that God didn't think it was something that was beneath him, even him, almighty God. He did not feel that it was beneath him to help us, 
to be our helper. You know, it's a great profession, really, when you think about it. And he's called us women to be our husband's helper. And like Tim said, to be that team. We're going to be teaming up. It's a, let me just read this. First Peter goes on um, into, uh, to elaborate the woman's role in First Peter 3, 1 through 6, but I'll just read 1 through 2, 1 and 2. In like manner, you married women, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and depending on them, and adapt yourselves to them, so that even if you, any of them do not obey the word of God, they may be won over not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself, together with your reverence. And Peter goes on here, um, or, and actually this is the Amplify Classic, goes on to um, define reverence for us. It's, it says, um, you are to feel for, for him all that reverence includes, to respect, to defer to, to revere him, to honor him, to esteem, appreciate, to prize, and in the human sense, to adore him. That is to admire, to praise, to be devoted to, to deeply love, and actually enjoy your husband. You know, I always, when I counsel women, I have always taken them to this. Um, I have to read it out of the Amplified Classic because I just think it's sacrilegious, frankly, to read it out of any other version because it defines it so well. And I've had so many women say to me, once we've gotten through that, they'll say, I'm not doing that. I, not that she, they ha weren't from now on, but they hadn't been. And, the right, and then, then I would say, and there lies the problem. You know, it's not so much in the husband, but in you. You know, that type of thing. You know, one, one thing with, with us is I can tend to be a loner at home. I, um, I'm not one that I like to have a lot of people over. I'm just not that way. Sue likes to have all the grandkids over all the time. She just loves that. That's just, that's her thing. That, that's what melts her butter, right? And so what's interesting, this past Labor Day, our... Our daughter-in-law had gone to Europe for um, a week and a half on a mission trip, and um, I uh, and so we were taking care of the grandkids for a week and a half while my son was working. And then my son, um, some other things happened. We were watching the kids, so we're constantly watching the kids, watching my daughter's kids, doing these things. And it's like you know, Labor Day's coming. I just want to kick back. I just want to have a nice weekend by the pool. And just enjoy it. And so, just the two of us. Just the two of us. That sound bad? That doesn't sound bad to me. <laughs> Get but, breakfast in bed, maybe. So this is how our marriage works. This is what Sue says. Well, then, I'll just pray about it. <laughs> Let's just pray about it. So, so she did. <laughs> and, uh, and as I'm doing my quiet time, and I'm thinking about Labor Day, and I'm thinking about the grandkids, and then what we're going to have, I'm already talking myself into this. And um, now remember, there's no argument going on. Just think about that for a minute. 
There's no argument, nothing at all. I just said, you know, I'm really so not. Who wants the grandkids? I'm not feeling John this. wants peace and quiet. And I want peace and quiet. So anyway. And with 16 in the family, there's no peace and quiet. Right. And uh, so anyway, um, we had them all over. <laughs> I actually, this is how it works. I'll come downstairs after my quiet time and say, okay, we'll have everybody over. So how are we going to do this? Let's get a plan together because I'm all about, let's get this. I want to know exactly what I'm in for. So, so we line the whole thing up. And Sue, when we have people over, it's not. Okay, we don't have to. No, we well. are. <laughs> I got the mic now. <laughs> it's, um, it's not just having burgers. It starts off with several appetizers all over the island and the counters. I mean, you name it, the charcuterie board's out. I even know the name of these things, which is really scary that I would know what a charcuterie board is. But anyway, that's out with all the cheeses and the sausages and the kibasi and all these things, deviled eggs and you name it, it was there. That's how it starts off. And then of course, the main course, and then of course, a big dessert. And so, but, after we did all that, and there's 16 or 18 of us in the pool, and we're all just playing games and playing volleyball and doing all kinds of stuff, I just sat back, and I really brought tears to my eyes. It's like, God, what have you done? Look at this. Kind of took my eyes off of John Labor Day, let's kick back and relax, to the days are short. They really are. I don't have a lot more time to be doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And God really spoke to me in the pool, uh, just you know, saying, you better enjoy this. And, uh, and it was just really, really a sweet, sweet, sweet time. And I want to thank you for that, because we had a great time. Yeah. And, uh, but I want to talk about submission, because a lot of us struggle with that word. But I want to talk about what submission isn't. All right? So... Submission is not putting the will of your husband before the will of Christ. That's number one. Submission does not mean getting your spiritual strength through your husband. A lot of wives can do that. And, you know, and a lot of wives do do that. A lot of us will look to our husband lean on our husband and trust in him. And sometimes, a lot of times, when that husband is not meeting that need, then they get upset and they get whiny. And it's like, but, but they were never to be leaned on. It was Christ that was supposed to be lean, you were leaning on. It was Christ that you were supposed to look to. And so it's Christ that you need to go back to. And he says, I will be there. I will not forsake you. I will be there. I will be your strength so that you can be the helper for your husband rather than looking to him to meet the need. You st- then all of a sudden you look to meet the need of your husband's, you know, because God, God is supplying all of your needs. And next one is um, submitting does not mean living in fear. Another really big one. Another really big one. There's a lot of marriages going on right now. There's fear happening. All right? That is not submission. All right? That is something you need to work out 
with someone else as a third party to come in and discuss, mm -hmm. all right? If you can't, if you can't figure it out together. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, um, I think I never had the fear part, but, or she had the fear part, but. Um, no, when I it, definitely when it, didn't have the fear yeah, part. <laughs> but when it came to controlling though, when you, when you look at that, um, when I first got married, it, it definitely was all about me. You know, I lived on the basketball courts. Um, I played a lot, a lot of basketball and uh, loved sports and hung out with my friends. We got married young, so I mean, those things had to be worked out. And we weren't saved, so I didn't know what God's word said. You know, we were lost. And um, so it's just interesting um, how what, when God got a hold of me, how he changed those things. And uh, you know, the golf clubs are gone, everything's gone. You know, it's just not, I have a hoop in my driveway and I shot hoops a few weeks ago my soon-to-be son-in-law, and it was kind of fun, but it was just, it's been a long time. All right, the, the next one is, uh, submission is that you... Uh, Not agreeing. Well, that you, uh, that you try to influence your husband. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a real big one. Don't try to think you're submitting by influencing your husband into something you want him to do, you know, and, and, and say you're submitting. It just doesn't work that way. This one I really like. Don't leave your brain at the altar. And what I mean by that is we all have gifts, all right? And, I'll get, and I'm going to share more about finances in a couple weeks, but when I got married, I honestly thought money grew on trees. It would just be there. I didn't know that you could go broke. I, did, I just didn't, didn't even, my parents just took care of all that stuff when I was a kid. Or and you could so, just make more money. Or, or make more money. So I found out that she was really, really good on the, with the checkbook. Now, the problem with that is she robbed a lot of my joy, right? Because all the things I wanted, I didn't get, <laughs> right? I know that's not that happened to any of you. But, but um, no, it was a real struggle. You know, totally robbed my joy. And um, I just thought, hey, I was working. I was, had a good job. I could just buy what I wanted. And it wasn't that way. And um, so anyway, she taught me finances. She taught me how to handle money. Then I took it to another extreme, all right? I mean, I finally caught on to this, and it really became fun. And it really did. I love looking through our finances and seeing what's growing, how to move this, what to do with that. I mean, if you guys ever want any questions or want to talk about it, I've got a spreadsheet that you wouldn't believe. That, uh, no, uh, what my spreadsheet does this on, on stuff like, let's say I have car insurance. We shouldn't be talking about this, but I'll do a little bit. If, let's say we have car insurance, and it was more expensive last year than the year before. It's in red. So our car insurance went up. Then the negotiator <laughs> got it down a little bit, so it goes into yellow. I just put yellow. First of all, I'm totally colorblind, so I'm just happy I can see those two colors, mm -hmm. kind of. So anyway, we'll do that. But anyway, we've got spreadsheets all set up with everything that's going on, what our in, in, income is, what our outcome is, all of that stuff. And it's very, very important. But she's taught me a lot. Because I'll tell you, I don't know where I'd be without her explaining um, finances to me. So anyway, it was a really good team effort. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then having to agree on everything. Please, it just doesn't work that way. You are going to disagree, and it's okay, it's healthy. You know, I mean, we have disagreements on a lot of things. Not many now, yeah. you know. I mean, there were a lot earlier on, but yeah. we're kind of on the same page. Yeah. Are you going to say something? Well, no. We, I mean, women do get a say-so, you know. I mean, we, like if John came home and decided to sell the house and move into a BMW, you know, and I could say to him, well, hon, you know, I think we'll be a little cramped. You know, that type of thing. I mean, I do get to tell him what I think. And if he still decides that, no, he will, this BMW is the way to go, then we will pray about it. You know, we're going to say, okay, well, we just need to pray about this because we can't come to an agreement. So we're just going to pray about it. I do it. have a BMW, by the way. We're not living in it. Yeah, but we're not living in it. <laughs> but um, so, so. he finally did get his BMW, but I got to keep the house. <laughs> <laughs> What, what's, what's interesting, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, the, the spending, I remember years ago, I was at work, and I saw a Jeep out oh in the parking goodness. lot that was for we sale. We are really going down the rabbit trails tonight, guys. The, the, <laughs> tires, the tires were this high. Oh, my word. We should she draw could this. Not, she, no, we, draw we don't this? have an inkboard. Oh, it's my okay. word. No, you she, really need to draw it. You should draw it. Hold on. <laughs> This is all free, by the way. Not bad, cheap. No. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, roll bar. Yeah. So I never got too involved in this. I bought this Jeep, and by the way, guys, it had 22 speakers, 22. You could hear me two miles away coming. I had extra lights, a winch in the front, the whole bit. I bought this thing. I, now get this. I pulled in the driveway. Now this is not letting her know about this. I just bought it. Pulled in the driveway. All the neighbor guys came out. <coughs> Whoa, that is awesome, right? They were all excited. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, this is it. And then Sue came out. And I looked at her and said, I messed up. <laughs> just like that. I just totally he messed up. So By the way, I was saved and everything. This isn't like, you know, I'm you know, lost somewhere. I'm, you know, I'm going to church. I'm Sunday school superintendent. I'm having my quiet times. I messed up. And I bought this thing. And I told everybody that I knew how badly I he messed up. He was so I would tell broken. people in grocery stores. He was so broken over this. You could not beat this man up anymore. He was so broken. And I figured it out that he had been working, you know, 40, 80 hours a week or something and sitting up six stories. So he's looking down at this Jeep. With a for sale sign on it. With a for sale sign. He's thinking, freedom, freedom. You know, I don't think he got any concept on just how big this thing was from six stories up in the building. And, um, but anyway, God was gracious. I mean, seriously, guys. I would sit at the very end of the seat, and I still couldn't reach the gas pedal to drive the thing. Yeah. So, 
Anyway. But it just shows you things that you do, you know, when you're married and you do stupid stuff like that. But I mean, I couldn't get mad at him because he was already broken over it. But God was gracious and he was able to sell it six weeks later for the same price he paid. And then God gave him the car he really wanted. Which was a Volkswagen. Yes. So I uh, thought God was so gracious over that. But anyway, back. Let me just go over this real quick. It's... um, uh, Getting your spiritual strength from him, living in fear, that you sh- shouldn't try to influence your husband and calling that submission and leaving your brain at the altar in agreeing on everything. Right. Those are not, that's not submission, all right, and w- whatsoever. But I wanted to kind of also share, ladies, that, you know, when it talks about submission, it's talk. you know, God is looking to us to be, like we said, his helper. And and it's basically, and I think that I think that's wonderful. The fact that God calls Himself our helper, He it doesn't He doesn't look at it as an inferior um, uh, role. He He loves to come alongside us to help us, and that's what He's looking for us to do. It's an attaboy. It's the Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses. It's a coming alongside to build him up, to support him. It's an, um, you know, that, that attaboy, I know you can do it, that support that he's looking for. Those are the types of things that God is calling us to do, is to be that help for him, to get him, literally, women, we have the the gift of prophecy. We can prophesy our husbands into a role that maybe he never even thought of himself being. Or we also have the ability to tear him down. We can hold him back and keep him because of the negative things that we say. It's truly up to us. We can push him more. Let's go. You can do this. We support him when he comes home and makes the stupid mistake of a Bigfoot truck, you know, because you know the man is already broken. There's nothing more you can say to do, say or do to, you know, to um, make him feel any worse possibly, you know, that type of thing. But you can come along and say, you know, I think it was the six feet of floor, the sixth floor that you were looking down, that that's probably what made you decide on this. She's still comforting me now. Look at she's sitting there rubbing my back. I'm comforting him. That a boy. You know, we made a mistake. But God was gracious in it. And who will be gracious? And by the way, it goes both ways. For those of who you both work, I mean, there's got to be a lot of uplifting going on there. Because you get home from work when you both work. Yeah. You've both had tough days. Yeah. Things have gone on, yeah. right? And you need to talk about it. And you need to lift each other up. Yeah. And don't, I, don't put that to bed and just push it off to the side. Can I, I just want to share one more story because we're almost out of time here. But I want to share a one story um, in, a, in a passage that I learned early on in, in um, um, my walk with Christ. I was, you know, it was brand new. I was a brand new Christian back in Hudson, New Hampshire, and we had this little woman. Her name was Miss Bonnie Betts, and she decided she was going to pour into all the young mamas in our church, and she called us over for a Bible study. And um, so all of us young mamas sat around her kitchen table. There's probably only like six of us. And one day she opened up the Bible to um, Proverbs 31, 
you know, and we just opened up our Bibles and we started reading Proverbs 31, and I'll just get to part here. A capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman, who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels, and her value is far above rubies or pearls. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on, on and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. She comforts, she encourages, she does him only good as long as there is life in her. And, you know, we opened up this, um, our Bibles, to Proverbs 31, and I was sitting right next to this girl, Angie, and she, I'm telling you guys, she was just the epitome of what I thought a, a woman could, should be. She was from the South. She, she had moved up there with her parents. Her dad was, he owned some company or something. They were wealthy. You know, she had that sweet Southern accent. She was beautiful. She was bright. She um, had all the graces. I'm telling you, this girl could have run for Mrs. America and won. I mean, there was just nothing. Everything, I looked at her, and she was even a couple years younger than me, but I looked at her and I thought, man, I am just never going to be like that. She was born and raised in the church, you know, and I just thought she had it all together, and I had none. And I looked over. I happened to be sitting there next to her, and I kind of peeked over at her Bible, and she opened it up. And there in Proverbs 31, it said, my lifetime goal, next to Proverbs 31. And I thought, hmm, you know. I'd never heard Proverbs 31 before, but whew, there was that lifetime goal. And I didn't write it in my Bible, but I thought, I am going to dissect Proverbs 30. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get out my dissecting tools, and I am going to pour over Proverbs 31 to see what's there. And, um, and you know, and I did. You know, and I hit all the different areas and what, um, you know, God had for women. But anyway, a couple years later, Angie and all her family moved back to Texas, and Back then in the 80s, you, you know, you lost, all you had was mail and, and long-distance phone calls, so you lost contact with each other until Facebook came along. And then all of a sudden, we all got on Facebook, and all the old members of the church, we started connecting back again and seeing, after 20, 30 years, seeing, wow, where were, you know, where had God taken us? And um, we first found her husband, Dennis, on Facebook. And then we found Angie. And guys, I was shocked. I looked at her and I thought, oh my word, she had, she, they, I believe they probably weren't going to church any longer. She had met her old high school sweetheart and decided she wanted a divorce and wanted to marry him. And um, her family was a mess. I don't think any of them had gone to church. She was very rough and crude in, in her comments and things on Facebook. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what happened? And she immediately unfriended us on Facebook. So I really couldn't get a whole great big idea of what had gone on. But here was this girl I had, had set on a pedestal for years thinking, man, this girl could run for Mrs. America. And here she had fallen so far. And I thought, what happened? 
what happened? And it dawned on me that I don't know when. Was it a slow fade or was it just overnight? I don't know. But what I did realize then is that I wasn't the only one peeking at her, her book and seeing that, chat, that goal that she had written in that book, that it was her lifelong goal. There was an enemy that had also seen that at that time. And he took it as a challenge because he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to not, steal your testimony. He wants to destroy your family. And he's out, and he's relentless. He's relentless in doing it. And if we don't stay in his word and dissecting it, it doesn't matter what goal we write in this Bible. We've got to live it. We've got to live it out. We've got to remember that Jesus Christ is here. He has promised to be our helper. And if we will follow him, he will bless. He will bless. And I think it's so cool that Tim has a program that says, fight for your marriage. Fight for your family. Because that's what it is, guys. We're in a battle. We will be in a battle until the Lord calls us home. And then we have an enemy that will be relentless. Okay, you got all your sheets? Yes. So we're going to go over these. We got a few minutes here. And um, don't you want to talk about being a team? Was there something else? No. Okay. Um, we'll start off with number one. I'm going to go through these, and then I want you to take your time and kind of go through each one. I'll just go through them right now. It says, how am I doing as a husband or, or wife as in general? What are, what are you most excited about in our relationship during this season? You know, like our season is retirement. What are we most excited about? We're excited about a lot of stuff. I mean, it's pretty neat, right? If you could change two things about me, what would they be? What ways can I honor you? What are your biggest fears about our relationship? As a husband wife, how can I show more love and sensitivity to you? Are you dealing with anything that I can help you with currently? You know, that question right there, guys, we don't ask that enough. There are things going on in our lives right now that we tend to just hold tight. Can I just interrupt you for a minute? Well, you're going to. <laughs> I know, but I, it was nice for me to ask. And, um, you know, John and I, the reason why we gave you these questions is John, it, I was, we, he used to be the superintendent of Sunday schools, but on Wednesday nights, we had a water at our church, and we would drop off our children, and we would head to a Mexican restaurant, and we would actually sit in the bar because nobody was in the bar, and we figured that way we weren't going to be taking some waitress's table, and they give you free chips and salsa. So we would order a Coke, and we would have all the chips and salsa. They just kept bringing more chips and salsa over, and we would sit there across, and that was our way of, you know, we could just sit and talk until Juana was over, and so we would do that every Wednesday night. I mean, that, that, that. Let me just. I was actually wanting to get you all chips and sausage. Let me just interject on this, though. (laughs) There are seasons in your life. There are seasons for serving, and believe me, we love serving. But there are also seasons when your kids are a certain age where you need time. 
And at that point, it's kind of funny because later on in life, my daughter, Kristen, and I were actually directors of Awana. And uh, we, we were in this big church in New Hampshire, and she had the girls, I had the guys, and um, we would travel around with our teams and compete. And it was really a great thing. It's a lot of scripture, memory verses, and things like that in games. But going back now when our kids were little, um, we took that time because that's the only time we had, all right? And so we took it. And, you know, and, and some people at the church would say, man, you know, maybe you should be doing this or that. But we didn't listen. We knew that it was more important for us to sit down and check our temperature, if you want to, if you want to use that verbiage. How are you doing? How are you doing? And then we'd start talking. And it was a great way to, uh, to communicate. So anyway, we want to encourage you guys to go get some chips and salsa. It's free. <laughs> and take this little piece of paper with you and just start looking through the questions. Well, let's go through a few more. It says, I don't know where I'm at, so, but I'll just say, as my husband and wife, can, can, I, how sh can I show you more sensitivity to you? Um, are you dealing with anything that I can help you with currently? Uh, how can we improve our intimacy or take it to the next level? That's a big one. What's your dream date night or weekend with me? If you had three wishes to wish for our future, what would they be? What are a few ways I need to be more understanding? What are a few ways you desire, you desire to see our finances improve? And what are three places within a couple hundred miles that you would like to spend a few days? You know, and if you're not doing things like that, spending, oh, sorry, turn the page. Um, what strengths uh, do I bring to the relationship? What ways can I improve as a husband or a wife? What's your top three favorite love songs and why? We have a favorite song. You ready for this? So we love the group. Got to remember, we're in the 70s here. We love the group Chicago. And the song is Color My World. You haven't heard it. So get on it. There you go. We got a singer in the group. We got, yeah. we got a singer. Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, um, that song, Color My World, we go see Chicago whenever they're around, and we both stand up. I don't care if we're in the Orpheum or where we're at. We stand up and we dance to that song, the two of us. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't care who's around. That's our song. But anyway, um, uh, do you feel more emotionally connected than we did early in our relationship? What are the two things we forgot to celebrate this year? What were some things we used to do before we were married that you miss now? What do I need to know about you right now? Is your love for me growing stronger? What have you learned to appreciate about me that you did not know when we were first married? Are you satisfied with the amount of time we spend together? Do I tell you I love you enough? In what ways can we build our friendship together? Hmm. Pretty neat, huh? Hmm. And I look at Anita. How, how long have you been married, Anita? Uh, there you go. Isn't that great? A year in July. So, And uh, when you look at that, I mean, this is the kind of stuff, as a couple that just got married, this is where it all begins. Mm -hmm. You know, getting to... Check your temperature. Where are we? How are we doing? All right. Yeah. Jamie, you want to come up?
check the website. El Mezcal has a special tonight. Corner booth, <laughs> chips and salsa, two for one burritos. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, thank you for tonight. This is, the whole night's been fantastic. This is priceless. And um, he said earlier that husband's head of the wife out of Ephesians 5. So, guys, we're the ones to take the lead on this. So, um, I told John earlier, we have an anniversary trip coming up, uh, a little getaway. And this would be a great Rusty on the getaway, so thank you. Um, thanks for being here tonight. Uh, thank you for mentioning Fight for Your Family. Just, just so you know, there are more resources for you on our webpage. Um, also, Right Now Media has tons of videos to watch about marriage. Great stuff on there, uh, just to stay connected even when you're not at church here. And uh, just one more plug for life groups. Uh, if you're not in a group, please give one a try. We do this on Sunday mornings, just like we did tonight. Uh, we do this on Sunday mornings, except we have a chance of growing closer together you know, over the time. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome to hang out uh, if you'd like. Kids aren't needing to get picked up for about five or ten more minutes. If you want to hang out, you're welcome to. I'm going to pray for us. You guys can hang out and eat more chocolate. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you for the teaching straight from your word. Uh, Lord, thank you that, Lord, you are our helper. Thank you that you have uh, given us a spouse. Lord, therefore, surely you'll equip us and help us in our marriage. Thank you for John and Sue in 47 years, and they're pouring into us tonight. God, I pray that we would take time, that we would care enough and have enough reverence for you, God, to take time this week to look back over what we've learned tonight and apply it to our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks so much. We'll be here again this time next week.